Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Thomas, 
out of San Diego State. They had uh, Mijah Sanders out of Cincinnati, a decent defensive end. Keontae Ingram, a running back out of USC. Uh, Lester Smith, the guard out of Virginia Tech. They also had Christian Matthew out of Valdosta State, a corner. Uh, Jesse Lakita, a linebacker out of Penn State. And Marquise Hayes to finish things off in the seventh round, a guard out of Oklahoma. How do you feel about Arizona? Well, I mean, I feel like that was a big splash to go get Hollywood Brown. Um, kind of a blow to the Ravens, but it gives you another, a speed guy and somebody to compliment uh, DeAndre Hopkins when he's on the field. I feel like Zach Ertz still has plenty in the tank, but he's getting a little long in the tooth, and so you bring this guy in. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz, by all accounts, has always been a professional, really understands the ins and outs of the position, so... You know, maybe this is your guy that comes in and kind of apprentices, if you will, under Ertz to eventually take over that tight end position. If you can have a franchise guy at the tight end that can do a little bit of everything, uh, block and, you know, catch the ball, then that, that person can be valuable for that franchise for a long time, even more valuable than sometimes they might show up at as uh, on the stat sheet. Um other than than those picks, like uh, these other guys, I mean, there's there's some talent there. The kid from Cincinnati, uh, you know, they got the kid from Valdosta State. They got they got some depth for their special teams. At the end of the day, uh, they're showing Kyler Murray that they're bringing in, uh, trying to bring in weapons to make that offense more explosive. I uh, I feel like. As good as that tight end may be, I feel like that's sort of a sort of a richest position, and you almost drafted um, a luxury when you almost had a need there to really continue to try to address that that offensive line. So we'll see what works out. I mean, I think that the the one glaring weakness for the Cardinals last year was that offensive line, and I'm not sure that you really did enough about that in this draft to really address that. So. Uh, have they done anything in free agency? Do they have any other veteran free agents they're going to try to bring in or work out? I don't know. Um, I, I like some of the moves for this team, but I still think they need to do more to address the offensive line. Well, we'll see because they did pick up some guards, so they, they definitely are going to have to you know go through camp and see how they can do their thing and definitely in the scrimmages and see if they can pick up the speed of the NFL. So I know that they're trying because they did at least try to make that happen in front of them. Uh, it's just that Kyler is a guy that's ready to run a lot of the times. He's not one of those guys that's going to sit in the pocket a lot because he's so elusive. So if they can get him to be as patient as he was while he was in college, it'll be a great thing if those things open up. In the passing game, it will be great. But we will see if that side of that spectrum hurts or makes this better for the Cardinals. But I, I think with the pickups that they got, including – a receiver underneath in uh, Hollywood Brown and the, the chemistry that they had when they were in Norman. It, it, it's going to be interesting, uh, to say the least. So the next one we have, I'm trying to do this as fast as I can alphabetically, because there's a lot of teams. Um, we have the Atlanta Falcons. Now, this is interesting because in the first round, they had the eighth pick. They went after Drake London. This is a big receiver uh, out of USC, a possession receiver to be his size. Um this was a, a receiver that was noted by a lot of teams like the Saints. The Lions are also giving him a look as well. Um, this is an interesting pickup as they lose Calvin Ridley for the season to at least add another gun to their stable. However, <clears throat> they had Marcus Mariota as the pickup quarterback after they unloaded uh, Matt Ryan. And interesting enough, this team actually goes after a quarterback and get Desmond uh, Ritter in the third round. Um, they also get a defensive end and Arnold at Big Abikiti, I keep I mess that up all the time. Troy Anderson, a, a linebacker out of Montana State. They also got uh, D'Angelo Malone, another linebacker. He's out of Western Kentucky. Tyler Algier, and this is a good running back out of BYU. I like that. That's a great pickup uh, for the uh, Falcons. Justin Schaefer, an offensive guard uh, for the the Georgia Bulldogs, and John Fitzpatrick. They went Georgia twice in the sixth round. Uh, tight end for the Falcons. So they kept him home, or two of these guys home uh, in Georgia. The Falcons interest me right now with picking up Desmond Ritter. I'm going to say this right here and now. I think Desmond Ritter will be the starter for the Falcons. Uh, Respect Mariota. I know Mariota's mobile. He can run like a mother. And um, his passing game is just a question mark to me. Desmond Ritter can scramble as well, but he can make those throws. He was doing it in college. 
Uh, the one thing that everybody has a big gripe about is him playing that game up against Alabama and how he, he was a no-show. And it's going to be rough and tough like that in the NFL too. But at least I feel like this is a start. I feel like he's the more natural quarterback than Mariota, but Mariota is definitely the more athletic out of the two. Your thoughts out of the Atlanta Falcons with the Drake London pickup? I'm definitely happy with the Ritter pick for them and the Tyler Algier pick, the running back out of BYU also. I like the running back out of BYU. I think that uh, linebacker out of Montana State is going to be pretty interesting too. But I look at this, and I think you're right about the starting quarterback thing. I'm just not sure when that is going to come to pass or be the case. They did say it. I was reading uh, some comments from some of the Atlanta front office people, and they said that they think that Ritter has a similar skill set to Mariota. Maybe, like like you said, maybe not as uh, mobile as far as really being able to run and pick up extra yards with his legs. But they said that they think that uh, bringing him in, he has a similar skill set, so he can, con- he, you know, they can learn the the system together. He can continue to learn, and they're not going to have to, you know, they won't have to revamp things for his skill set. So, I, I think that might help in his transition. Um, I think that. Listen, Atlanta is a team that they lost a lot of close games last year, but they really have a good bit to do to really get back to a point where they are playoff contenders. And so I think they got some good pieces in this draft to really help with that rebuild. Um, you know, they they had an eye to their quarterback of the future. It's interesting. I think that's, I saw something that said this is the third longest that, any draft has ever gone before the second quarterback was taken. So it's a clear indication that, you know, Carolina and Atlanta, who both made the pool, uh, believed in him a little bit, but the the general managers as a whole were not very enamored with this year's quarterback class. So we'll see how that how that pans out. But if this guy, you know, if, if Desmond Ritter is that guy, that would be a, a big a big help for the Falcons as they continue to move forward. Yeah, mute TP. I was on mute. So the next team that I have, the Baltimore Ravens. Now this team took the guy that I wanted, and I'm I'm very frustrated that the Ravens got him. But I can't be mad to a certain degree because Baltimore always knows how to stack this defense up as best as possible. In the first round, they picked up Kyle Hamilton, uh, the star safety out of Notre Dame. Uh, the one gripe that they have about him is his speed. But I wouldn't be concerned about that, what he's doing in the combine compared to his on-field speed and presence. So um, knowing that they lost a great deal of, you know, their back end with the safeties or so on and so forth, they're trying to rebuild that. And also with their corners going down left and right, that actually left their secondary pretty much vulnerable the entire season. And they lost a good amount of games due to injury, uh, especially while their running back core all got hurt before the season started. So that was very unfortunate. Following up that they picked up the center out of Iowa, Tyler Linderbaum. They also got the linebacker, David Ojabo, uh, highly spoken out of Michigan. They have Travis Jones, a defensive tackle out of UConn. Uh, Daniel Faleli, Faleli, I'm, I'm, I'm butchering this, I'm sorry. Uh, the defensive, the offensive tackle, excuse me, out of Minnesota. They also have Jalen Armore Davis, a corner out of Alabama. Charlie Kolar. Uh, tight end out of Iowa State, Jordan Stout, uh, punter out of Penn State. Interesting, they got a punter. Uh, Isaiah Likely, a tight end out of Coastal Carolina. Demarion Williams, a corner out of Houston. And to follow that up in the sixth round to end their draft, Tyler Badel. Yeah, Beatty. That's an I. Yeah, Beatty is out of Missouri, running back out of Missouri. Um they at least focus on the running back situation with all of their guys getting injured, but I think with these guys bouncing back with J.K. Dobbins and Gus the Bus Edwards, I think they should be all right with the running back committee. Um, they definitely did not stress the offensive line issues. They have one offensive tackle that they picked up, and I think this is outside of Villanueva the retiring. They are uh, extremely questionable to me. I am bothered by what the Ravens did for the offense. The defense, I'm never worried about. Their defense is always going to be there. That's the Baltimore Ravens staple, but you mean to tell me you let go of Hollywood Brown, one of your best receivers, 
Sammy Watkins was the guy. He was injured. And you don't go get a wide receiver. And everybody knows the glaring situation is either, A, Lamar can't throw, or, B, you guys are getting receivers to help him out in these games. I would at least try to address the situation of getting receivers to help him play this game. You guys are highly focused on tight ends. Mark Andrews, to me, is number one or two tight end in the game. is between him and Kelsey. Uh, Kittle is right behind them. Uh, they went and picked up another tight end. What was the need for another tight end if Mark Andrews is doing his job? So, the one thing about the Ravens that killed me is that they've been focused on this tight end position for a while. At one point, they picked up Mark Andrews and he picked up Hayden Hurst in the same draft. They got rid of Hayden Hurst after a while. They go get another tight end. It's like, are you really focused on trying to help this team win and get back to the playoffs and try to get to a Super Bowl? Or are you just going to be mediocre at this point in time and then question the ability of Lamar Jackson? This is frustrating to be. I'm not going to lie. I am a fan of Lamar Jackson. I do like his quarterback abilities, the way he can scramble and make things happen. But this is unfortunate that you guys are going to war and not trying to fill up at least his receiving core. But uh, my your thoughts on the draft for the Baltimore Ravens and how they did so far? Well, I have a couple of things on, on Baltimore. The first thing is I agree with you on, on the wide receiver position. Uh, I don't think Lamar Jackson had enough, even with Hollywood Brown on that team, and now you trade him away and you didn't do anything. That being said, like, I think that the Ravens, like, first three or four picks were all guys that uh, a lot of people would say were drafted uh, below their value, that they got, you know, really good value out of those picks from Hamilton on down. Um, the linebacker that they took, the kid out of Michigan, reuniting with his um, defensive coordinator with the Ravens. Now he may be out a chunk of this year. We'll see as far as. Injury-wise, so this may kind of be sort of a redshirt year for him. He's one of a couple of guys that uh, felt like that in this draft. Damone Clark to the Cowboys from LSU is another one. But listen, I, the the one thing that the Ravens did do is get really good value for their picks. Um, I think they, considering where they were in the draft, I think they got very good talent. I think they got great value with all those spots. And I think you got people that are going to contribute to that team. And so if you were to just look on the surface of like, okay, what did we draft and what did we get from these picks? Who are the players that we got? you got to be very pleased with your return and what you're able to, you know, go back to Maryland with. But at the end of the day, the the one sort of fly in that ointment, if you will, is the fact that, you gave up a receiver. You still haven't done anything to address that. So to me, whether it be trade, whether it be still trying to look at maybe a couple veterans that haven't signed yet, they could end up really helping this roster. Uh, they definitely need to do more to address the wide receiver position. They have work to do from here until, uh, let's just say, July or August before the season starts to at least try to get one name out there. Uh, there are a few receivers that are floating out there like Odell Beckham and uh, Jarvis Landry. If they could try to land one of these guys there, that would be interesting to get those that tandem together again in the same division in the AFC North. But Baltimore, do this before this gets even uglier. The reason why I think Lamar sat back on that contract situation is to see how they would, like, go about trying to retool the team moving forward, and I think he is betting on himself. Um, if they would want to try to do the franchise tax up to him, I think that would be favorable toward him because he'd still be getting good money, but everything would be a one-year. But I feel like this guy's already brought an MVP there. Like, he deserves the same credit, if not better, than what Dak brought to Dallas. I feel like he's in that stratosphere somewhat around, better, or right below. Like, I feel like he's in that talk. So, Baltimore, you have to get this together. This is critical that you're doing this type of player this bad early in his career where he can end up walking on you guys and you could be stuck with your second or third string quarterback. Now, I say that's a bad thing, but you have an MVP player in front of you. The next situation be, I have is that Trace McSorley running the, running the offense next year if you're not careful. <laughs> Or, or or Huntley. I think Huntley's the backup. Right. Um, moving forward, we're going to Buffalo. Buffalo, this is an interesting situation because they did address some of their needs. One, they went after Kyrie Elam, the cornerback out of Florida. 
Uh, the one thing about him is his top-end speed. We, they have to worry about that. But with Tredavious White getting injured last year, I know why they stressed the situation because their secondary was getting beaten, including in that game up against Kansas City in the postseason where they were able to give, give up a score in 13 seconds from the 20-yard line. So for that offense to be able to get two chunk plays to get them to like the 30-yard line to kick a comfortable field goal, that's a question, especially while Buffalo was rated the number one defense in the league, even though that's like a questionable situation on the team that they played. If you look at the team that they played last year, you would understand why their number was so high being rated as a number one defense. They also pick up James Cook, Dalvin Cook's brother, running back out of Georgia. They also picked up Terrell Bernard, a linebacker out of Baylor. They also picked up Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver out of Boise State. Matt Areza, a punter out of San Diego State. Christian Benford, a corner out of Villanova, Luke Tenuta, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, and to round out the seventh round for them, Balin Speck, a linebacker out of Clemson. Uh, what are your thoughts on Buffalo as these guys are trying to at least get to an AFC Championship or Super Bowl? They've been to the AFC Championship. Uh, they've done a great job while Josh has been running the show. How can they get better and get over the hump. Let's just say of Kansas City, even though Kansas City did lose a good amount of weapons. I think continuing to address the running game would have been big for them. I know they really like James Cook, but they said they see him as a, as a big playmaker, maybe even using him some in the receiving game as well or lining him up as a receiver. Uh, you know, I, I really thought that Walker would have made a lot of sense for Buffalo um, as far as for the, just to give them more of a – a standard running back who could kind of chew up clock for them at times and that kind of thing. Um, they didn't go that route. They they did make a couple moves and, and get some pieces to try to help that team. Like you said, you go get the corner because of White's injury to give you some depth in the defensive backfield. Uh, you definitely could have used that this past year. You go get James Cook to try to give you some depth in the running game, and do they end up keeping both of the other running backs, you know, Singletary or – uh, this is the other guy that I'm just not thinking of his name off my head right Zach, Zach Moss. Yeah, Zach, Zach Moss. Moss. Yeah, out of Miami, right? But like, uh, so you uh, you start you look at these guys, and, and so you wonder if he replaces one of them, or if you end up keeping all three, and kind of what this uh, what this offense continues to look like. But listen, I mean, I, this is a good football team. Um, you know, I I don't know that. When I looked at the draft a couple of times when they came up, I, I kind of shook my head thinking I might have gone a different direction. But, you know, I don't get paid that kind of money. So I, I think they did some things to help themselves. I don't know if they did enough. But that team was very, very close a year ago, and I expect them to be very competitive, uh, you know, again this fall. Okay. Right along until the next thing we have the Carolina Panthers. Uh, in the first round, they picked up Ikem Iquanu. Uh, offensive tackle out of North Carolina State. Uh, he's the number one ranked offensive tackle in the draft. So that is a huge pickup for Carolina, uh, especially to keep him in state where he went to North Carolina State in Raleigh. Uh, they followed this up with Matt Coral, quarterback out of Ole Miss in the third round. Brandon Smith, linebacker out of Penn State, addressing the defensive needs. They stayed in the linebacker court with Amari Bamo. Barno, excuse me, Amari Barno out of Virginia Tech, the offensive linebacker, uh, excuse me, outside linebacker, offensive, wow. Cade Mays, a, a guard out of Tennessee, and around out the seventh round, they picked up Kalon Barnes, a cornerback out of Baylor. Um, this is one thing that has actually helped North Carolina through the years uh, with the Panthers. Their defense has been stout enough to, like, hold the teams within games. This Matt Coral pickup has started a storm, at least to me. I, I, I'll just say this for myself within that quarterback uh, carousel that they have there. I don't believe in Sam Donald at all. I don't think he'll get better at all. I, I think that that – how did it go? I think the first three or five games of the season for Carolina where he was off to a good start where they were winning uh, was one thing. They ran into Dallas and lost, and then that's when the wheels kind of fell off, and then he got injured. Cam came back, and then Cam had a good start. And after that one good start, Cam looked horrible – they don't have any quarterbacks there that I feel like pop off the board. Matt Corral is coming off a catastrophic injury last season at the end of the season. He'll be trying to come in there fighting for that job, so he has a lot to prove. I think he's more of the natural quarterback between the three. Um, this is going to be very interesting to see how these guys move forward. 
uh, your thoughts right now on how this Panther team moves forward with the pieces that they have, including this draft. So Matt Corral is an interesting guy to me. I watched him in the SEC over the last couple of years. He was very erratic his first couple of years. He got a little bit better every year and kind of really settled down. And listen, Lane Kiffin, uh, for all the ups and downs that he's had over his uh, career, he knows how to work with quarterbacks and and teach concepts that are, are very translatable uh, to that next level. And so, you know, Matt Corral's numbers got better and better every single year at Ole Miss. Uh, you know, I saw some mock drafts even in the last month or two that had Corral, the Saints taking a fly and going with Corral even in the first round. Uh, you know, there were projections that had more than one quarterback going in the first round because it just doesn't happen very often that they drop like that. So, um, you know, this is a guy that's, that does – bring some swagger and bring some energy into that quarterback room. And it's a guy It's going to leave Sam Darnold looking over his shoulder. I feel more confident that the Panthers are not going to at any point jump in on Baker Mayfield now that they drafted Matt Corral. Um, now that being said, once again, since we talked about the underwhelming uh, quarterback prospects, who knows if he'll materialize into that guy. But he's going into a system, Matt Corral, where he can. And you have – you still got McCaffrey. You got DJ Moore. You got weapons in that in that passing at Robbie Anderson. You got weapons that can allow you to be successful. And so that's not a bad system to be trying to uh, – walking into to try to learn uh, with, with players around you and, and people that can make a difference. So, uh, listen, there's a lot of – Draft picks are about where you fit and where you end up. Uh, obviously, that offensive lineman uh, out of North Carolina State, he was uh, – him along with Evan Neal, who went right behind him, were both very, very highly touted. And so regardless of what you're trying to do or, uh, you know, you need that that guy that can, can open up holes or protect your quarterback, whoever it's going to be. So – that's a good building block. This team is still a few pieces away, uh, but I think they did some things to to upgrade that roster and to try to continue on that upward trajectory. Okay, so the next team we'll be going into is the Chicago Bears. Uh, this Bears team is very interesting right now uh, with everything that's going on. They also unloaded Nick Foles as well. Uh, while being a backup there. So I think they're going all gung-ho on Justin Fields, uh, respectively. Uh, in this second round, they pick up Kyler Gordon, a cornerback out of Washington. Uh, they follow that up going with Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State, a safety. Volusia Jones, Jr., out of Tennessee, a wide receiver. Braxton Jones, a, ta- a tackle out of Southern Utah. Dominique Robinson, a linebacker out of Miami. Zachary Thomas a tackle out of San Diego State, Treston Ebner, a running back out of Baylor, Doug Kramer, a center out of Illinois, Jatire, I think that is, Jatire Carter, Southern, a guard. He also followed that up with Elijah Hicks, a safety, and he's out of Cal, and Trenton Gill, a punter out of North Carolina State. Uh, Your thoughts on the Bears, uh, to me, I don't feel like they addressed everything, but they did pick up necessary picks, especially at the receiver position. Uh, while, while they lost Allen Robinson, they have to fill that hole as best as they can. Um, they get a corner. They they always focus on defense, but I think the defensive end situation they have to address with Khalil Mack's situation also. But um, your thoughts on the Bears moving forward going into this season, especially with the coach gone, uh, they got rid of foes as well. I, I want to see what type of inspiration they have going into this season. Well, you know, I think part of Foles, like you said, is is further that commitment to Justin Fields. They did pick up Trevor Simeon as a backup, uh, so I will no longer be calling him semi-pro uh, anymore since he's not on the Saints roster. Um, so, but, I mean, listen, they got the corner, they got the safety, you're right, and, and they did grab some pieces on the offense. Um, there was talk that this is a very deep draft and there's a lot of talent to be had. We're going to see because a lot of these names really don't jump off the the page at me. But 
listen, I, I think that Justin Fields still needs he needs help at the at the skill positions. They need they they need some better receivers. They need to continue to uh, to upgrade the pieces around him. And I don't know that they did enough to really do that. Um, in this draft, but I also think that when you think about Justin Fields and this Bears franchise, you have to think about it as a as a multiple year project. You're probably not going to uh, get over that hump in one year. So I, I think they added some, added some pieces to help them, but their their draft is not one of the most impressive drafts, you know, for me. And of course, when you can, when you can't draft until into the second round, you know, you've already kind of put yourself behind that eight ball a little bit. I agree, and and that's what hurts a lot of teams when they do that. It, it depends on if the person is really worth giving up that first round where you have the value of picking up a valuable piece out of college. The next team we have are the Cincinnati Bengals. They start off picking up a safety, Daxton Hill, uh, out of Michigan, uh, a number two safety out of the draft. So he's behind uh, Kyle Hamilton. Uh, they also get Cam Taylor Britt, the safety out of Nebraska, they get Zachary Carter, a defensive tackle out of Florida. Cordell Volson, a tackle out of North Dakota State. People are talking about him, too, as well. Tyson Anderson, a safety out of Toledo. They did round up a good amount of safeties. And following up everything in the seventh round, they go after Jeffrey Gunter, a defensive end in Coastal Carolina. The one thing that bothers me is that they needed to address the offensive line. They went and got three safeties uh in the, the entire draft, and that offensive line needed help, especially how the game ended in the Super Bowl where Aaron Donald was beating one of their men in, like, one second to get to, you know, Joe Burrow to make that game end the way that it did. It was a defensive lineman just crushing that offensive line. So I don't think they stressed the one glaring need that they need at this point in time. How do you feel about the Bengals with this pick early in the – or? This, this early in the draft, however, this would go down. There was a line in a movie about 27 years ago when the guy looks at the other guy and says, what you stealing boxes for anyway? What you trying to build a clubhouse? And I look at that, and the offensive line is supposed to be your foundation of your offense. And the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line does not have any more of a solid foundation than a, than a clubhouse. The one that uh, Smokey thought Craig might have been building with those boxes that he did not steal, though they said they caught him on tape stealing from work. Uh, you've got a franchise quarterback. You've got a special receiver. You've got a running back who has proven to be durable. You've got all these other pieces in place on your offense. You've got to continue to upgrade your line. Now, they did some in free agency uh, to try to make some improvements there. And so that that's what I can say is the the free agent moves that they made to try to address their offensive line better work because they took the one, they took one tackle with a kid, what did you say, out of North Dakota, North Dakota State, one of those schools. Um, so they, they took one tackle to try to to try to help there. But the free agency moves better work because they grab safeties. It, it tells me, when I, especially when I see this many safeties being pulled, you don't have glaring holes as far as both starting safeties on your on your defense. So what it tells me is this team's looking for nickel and dime backs. This team's looking for guys that can help them on special teams, you know, be hustle players on 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 the special teams units and that kind of thing. And those are the things that you see rosters or teams do if they feel like they're close and they just need to get the right depth or make sure they, you know, do a couple of tweaks to have the right pieces in place. That's why you start pulling hard from one position or whatever. But um, I, I just, I feel like uh, because everything's kind of a gamble in the draft anyway, you at least could have taken one of these safety prospects that you just drafted, you could have spent one of those picks on another lineman, even if it was a project. Listen, you need all the help you can get on that line, and I just don't think they did enough to address that. Now, once again, this is going to be a good football team next year. Their quarterback almost got killed this year, and they still went to the Super Bowl and competed in that Super Bowl game. So 
they they had did have to have some things break right for them. Uh, and so we'll see we'll see moving forward. But but I one hundred percent agree with you. They should have done more to address the offensive line. The next team I'm going with are the Cleveland Browns. This is interesting for Cleveland because uh, a situation that they had. They didn't get their first pick until the third round. Uh, they pick up Martin Emerson, a cornerback out of Mississippi State. They follow that up with Alex Wright, a uh, defensive end out of UAB, David Bell, a wide receiver out of Purdue, Perion Winfrey, a defensive tackle out of Oklahoma, Cade York, a place kicker out of LSU, Jerome Ford, this is a quality pickup, a running back out of uh, Cincinnati. Uh, speech, they're scat back. Uh, they also have Michael Woods, the second out of Oklahoma receiver. Uh, and they definitely had to address the need with uh, Landry leaving and also Odell with this past season also. Um, defensive end, Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma was the seventh-round pick, and they followed it up with their second seventh-round pick with Dawson Deaton, a center out of Texas Tech. Your thoughts on the Browns with all of the moves that they made thus far, especially with the quarterback carousel that they have with Deshaun and Brissett and others coming in there while Baker's still there. They have to answer those questions also. They're putting people in place in the receiving core, addressing their defense, and their defense is pretty uh, good. I don't, want, I don't even want to say quality. I want to say something better than quality. So they're decent or decent to good defense. So your thoughts on the Browns is they are making better strides to a tomorrow. I, you know, I think David Bell is one of those guys. He fell in the draft because maybe his numbers weren't quite what people expected. But David Bell is a very good college receiver at Purdue and put up Purdue and put up a lot of good numbers. Um, I think he can make an impact on that in that receiving core. I was reading something. It's interesting that uh, Cade York, the kicker at LSU, is the highest drafted kicker since. Tampa took a second-round pick on Roberto Aguayo. We know how that turned out. Um, that being said, like uh, I, I read something that said that Cleveland converted 70-something percent of its field goals last year, which is the lowest percentage in the National Football League. And they did lose a few close games, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, listen, special teams makes a difference. And in a division where there's a lot of talented teams, like, Listen, the uh, the the projected last place team in that division last year was Cincinnati. Most people thought they were going to finish last, and you know we know how that turned out. So that AFC North is a very good division with a lot of good teams, and so uh, having a kicker that has you know set school records and, and made some big kicks and big games, even on on the road in hostile environments to win games for his team. Um, listen, that's. That's a piece that, if it if it works out, could be valuable for this team for a long time. If a team finds the right kicker, sometimes you forget his name because he's on that team for so long. And so uh, if this guy ends up being a linchpin, that's not a, uh, a bad pick for them. I feel like that Cleveland addressed needs uh, that they have on that roster. I think they did things to get better. I don't see any picks where I'm like, what were they thinking or why did they draft that guy there? Um, I think it was a pretty solid draft for the Cleveland Browns. The next team we have are the Dallas Cowboys, and this is interesting the way the Cowboys did this. Uh, their first pick, the 24th pick, was Tyler Smith, the tackle out of Tulsa. Um, I think this was to address the needs of them losing Lael Collins. They also lost another lineman and the questionability of Tyron Smith on how he's been injured almost every other season for them. And they have so much promise in him because of how big he is. But they have to bring somebody in there as this offensive line is aging. They follow that up with Sam Williams, a linebacker out of Ole Miss. They get Jalen Tolbert, a wide receiver out of Southern uh, South Alabama. Excuse me. Uh, Jake Ferguson, a tight end out of Wisconsin. Matt Willetsko, offensive tackle out of North Dakota. Deron Bland, a cornerback out of Fresno State. Damone Clark, a linebacker out of LSU. John Ridgway, a defensive tackle out of Arkansas, and he's a beast. If you have not seen John Ridgway, this guy is a six foot five, three hundred plus pound monster up front, and, and he he dominates up front to be a defensive tackle. And they round out in the sixth round. They don't have a seventh round pick with Devin Harper, a linebacker out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the Cowboys, aka America's team, and their draft selection? Well, you know, one of the things that we talked about in barbershops and other spaces was the Cowboys line is getting a little older, so they need to address that. 
and they need to continue to address in the trenches. Their defensive backs are pretty good. They got a good linebacking core. Their receivers are good. They just lost Amari Cooper, so. Oh, but they still got good receivers. Zeke is Zeke. You know, when he's healthy, we'll see. Um, so, listen, I, th- I think Dallas addressed some things. I think, uh, you know, I- I'm going to address the LSU guy real quick and then move on to the other guys. But uh, Damone Clark is a super talented linebacker. It took him a while to really learn the system, but he continued to work at LSU. And there were some people saying that Damone Clark is the most talented linebacker they've seen at LSU in the last several years. That's pretty high praise considering you've had guys like uh, Patrick Queen and Devin White and other guys go through that program. So I don't know if he's going to be that good, but the fact that uh, you know he was mentioned in that sentence, he may miss this year because he had to have a spinal, spinal fusion surgery. He didn't even really notice it, and they, they found it on a physical. And so he may miss a lot of this year. And so this is a longer-term pick for Dallas, but this guy would have been – first or second round pick uh, without this injury. So, you know, you may have to plant this seed and watch it grow and, and, and wait a year before you can really see the fruits of that labor. But uh, this guy could end up being a great value pick for this team down the line. Uh, but you got the tackle, which I think is, is really going to help interject some youth into that offensive line and and give them a little bit more protection up there. Um, so this Dallas team's a playoff team a year ago. Uh, they got a couple pieces that can continue to help them. And, I mean, to me, they're still the favorites going into the East, but there's some other teams that we're going to talk about that, that might have uh, kind of uh, tightened that gap a little bit on the Cowboys. Okay, moving along, we're going to Denver. The Broncos select in the second round, picking up Nick Bonito, uh, off, uh, outside line, what an offensive outside linebacker from Oklahoma. They round out the situation with Greg Dolchich, a tight end out of UCLA. Damari Mathis, a corner out of Pittsburgh. Ioma Uwazarike, a defensive end out of Iowa State. Delarin Turner Yale, uh, safety out of Oklahoma. Montrell Washington, a receiver out of Stanford. Luke Wattenberg, a, co- a center out of Washington, and they went back-to-back sixth and seventh round out of Wisconsin on defense. Matt Henningsen, a defensive tackle, and Fayon Hicks, a corner, both out of Wisconsin. Uh, your thoughts on the Denver Broncos selection in this draft, especially with the uh, pulling in uh, Russell Wilson in his offseason? No, I mean, uh, you know, that's where the first-round pick went. Denver needed that that uh, that quarterback presence. Uh, there's not really any names here that just blow me away. That I'm like, whoa, that really moves the needle and makes this team better. There's also not any big guys on there that I'm like, why did they take the guy either? Uh, I just think this is a steady draft. They didn't do anything to really impress me, but they also didn't do anything to, uh, you know, raise my eye or make me want to. <laughs> You know, be critical of the of their draft. Okay, so Sports City, this is where the part of this show I am going to change my approach. That's right, I'm going to do something different here that I normally don't do. I don't do this at all. I'm going to lose my humble situation and actually start to like talk. I got to talk now. The next situation is the Detroit Lions and how this draft went. And um, you guys know personally this team means the world to me. Um, Every time I see this team draft, they pick an interesting pick up front, whether it's a quality pick, a great pick, or questionable. And then the rest of the draft is like, who are they picking? What are they doing? Are they overloading that running back? Like, what's going on? This year has to be the most complete draft that I've ever seen the Lions go through where I was happy with everything that they did, even the ones that I was, like, standoffish about, but it makes sense, and they're still good or better than good of a pickup. They pick up Aiden Hutchinson first. Uh, They trade up from the 32nd pick and go 12th uh, from the Vikings to get Jamison Williams a they're rating him one of the best receivers in the draft out of Alabama, even though he tore his knee up uh, late in the season. This is another situation that Waddle went through leaving Alabama. But Jamison Williams, this guy has great speed, great route runner as well. 
They pick up Josh Pascal, the defensive end out of Kentucky. This guy's an all-SEC defensive end. So, like, with him and Aiden Hutchinson, knowing that the Lions needed to pick up defensive ends, they addressed that immediately with two big names, uh, one an all-SEC player, the other one was the backup for the Heisman. The next one they went with is a safety, Kirby Joseph. If you have not seen this guy play, please go watch his highlight film. They call him the ball hawk of college from last year. So that's something that Detroit needed, somebody that could flip the field or turn the ball over. This guy also forces fumbles as well. Uh, James Mitchell, a tight end out of Virginia Tech, he was injured last season, but the years and time that he played in Virginia Tech, he's getting high praise while he was a tight end. Uh, He has great quality hands. He has good speed to run as a tight end too, so this can make a difference. This pick that I'm going to talk about right here, the sixth pick, I I wanted him last year, well, well, during the college season, I was like, I hope the Lions can get him, but never knew that it would fall in our lap like that, and it, it, it happened this late in the draft. I seen this, and the Lions went and got him, but I never spoke about it out loud. They pick up Malcolm Rodriguez, the linebacker out of uh, Oklahoma State. This guy is quality. This guy's a tackle machine. I'm going to say this right now. He plays football with a motor just like Luke Keekley. He's all over the field, too. So this is a very quality pick for them to pick up Malcolm Rodriguez. They get James Houston, a linebacker out of Jackson State. We'll see how impressive he can be coming out of Dion's camp. And last but not least, in the seventh round, they pick up Chase Lucas, a cornerback out of Arizona State, who's also gotten uh, all Pac-12 recognition uh, while his duration being out there in Arizona. Uh, your thoughts on the Lions in this draft this uh, this year? So we did a, a show on this network on Thursday night for round one, and one of the things that I said right as we were going off the air, because uh, recapped it towards the very end, and I said Giants and Lions really helped themselves so far, um, and that was just after their first two picks. Um, I like what they did to start the draft. This is as, an, as impressive of a draft haul as I've seen the Detroit Lions collect, in my opinion. Um, I think they found value. I think that even in the mid-rounds, they found guys that have good pedigrees and have been in winning situations. I think the Lions really did a lot to try to address this roster in this draft. Um, They added a lot of good pieces to this roster. Uh, Jamison Williams has world-class track speed. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson's got a motor, hard-working defensive end, and then you just mentioned the kid out of – you just mentioned the kid out of Kentucky. So, I mean, listen, they did <clears throat> they did a lot to improve this team. And they can coach them up and work with them. But this is uh, – I, I, I can't remember – I have to really go back and look through past drafts. But I can't remember a draft where I felt more optimistic about the work that the Lions general, management, general manager and front office did over the course of a three-day period than I do this weekend after this draft. Okay, so I'm going to move up because I do want to make room for you to get into this one. The next situation, because I do want to get into the, the ends, and I know we were missed out on time to try to get there. So I will come right into your backyard and go with the New Orleans Saints. Now, the New Orleans Saints made this pretty impressive because their first pick, they picked up a, a wide receiver that I wanted. They picked up Chris Olave, a uh, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, the, the, you can speak on him endlessly, especially the way that he lit up the season last year and the numbers that he put up as well. They also got Trevor Penning, a uh, offensive tackle out of Northern Iowa. They get a corner out of Tennessee with Alante Taylor. They get a linebacker in DeMarco Jackson out of Appalachian State, and they round out the sixth round with a small draft with Jordan Jackson, a defensive tackle out of the Air Force. Your thoughts on your New Orleans Saints and how they did in this draft uh, with with the pieces that they picked up? So I'm, I'm actually really impressed with what the Saints did in this draft for a couple reasons. Um, I There was a big part. you got to keep in mind, Dennis Allen is very much a, a defensive-minded coach. He was a defensive coordinator, you know, before Sean Payton left, and he had been with him before and had been bounced around. The Saints, <laughs> I think, had to really fight the temptation to draft Jordan Davis. Um, who ended up going to the Eagles. But I think they really believe that if you could somehow have him uh, on the inside 
um, you know, with Demario Davis behind him, and then uh, somebody else like David Onyemata in there with him, and then like on the end with like uh, Rankins and and George, uh, not Rankins, but uh, Davenport and Jordan. That that was going to be an, an extremely hard uh, wall to try to run the football on. But the Saints already have a pretty uh, physical defensive front, and they would have been drafting um, a strong player, but to a position of strength. And the Saints needed to do more to help themselves, and they addressed two of their biggest needs with their first two draft picks. And so I was impressed to see that Chris Olave. Listen, that he's a super talented guy. I, I kind of went back and forth because there's been a part of me that's still been leaning hard towards uh, Jameson Williams, and there's a couple other receivers that you know I, I'm not really sure. We'll see how how this guy turns out. But, you know, all the reviews on this guy are are solid. Um, He'll be compared to some other receivers that were taken around that same spot in the draft. But the Saints needed a receiver, even with Michael Thomas. If he is to come back next year, I'm not so sure that he will. But if he comes back next year, you still need some more depth at that wide receiver position. Um, Listen, Trevor Penny is, is a guy that, he came from a small school. He kind of bulked up as he worked through college. But he's a 6'7", 350-pound tackle, or 325, 330, somewhere in there. Uh, but he plays with a nasty streak to him. He plays hard. He went to the Senior Bowl. He competed really well there against higher-level talent because that's what they were looking to see when he got to the Senior Bowl was how is this, how is this guy going to do against – you know, Division One level talent. It's one thing to do it at the one AA level or FCS level, as they, you know, they've been taken to call it. So, uh, but he went to the Senior Bowl. He really impressed as well. You lose to Ron Armstead, your anchor left tackle. So, you've got to do something right there. So you you bring a guy in who has the potential maybe to be an anchor for that offensive line for a long time, and then the uh, the defensive back that they got in the second round. Uh, very, uh, you know, had a good reputation, was a leader in Tennessee, part of the uh, advisory council and all kinds of things. So, like him, the kid from um, the two, they were calling him the Davis Twins, even though they're not related, but the the defensive tackle from Syracuse, high-motor guy, uh, linebacker, pretty talented player. We'll see, those guys are probably, you know, that's a crowded linebacker room um, in New Orleans. But if if you can get Thomas back and you can get Olave, then you got uh, other guys that were there last year that can serve as depth at that wide receiver position, such as Traquan Smith and Marquez Callaway, and then you got a guy like Adam Trout as a athlete at that tight end position. They're trying to put weapons around Jameis Winston to make that offense work. We'll see what happens with. We don't know what's going to happen with Kamara yet. If he's going to have any kind of suspension or whatever. But the Saints feel like they have a good football team, and they feel like that the NFC is not as deep this coming up here, and they feel like they have a chance to be very competitive, and they feel pretty uh, happy with what they got in the draft. Listen, they they made a bunch of room to try to go get to try to go get Deshaun Watson. They couldn't. There were a couple of other guys that they let walk that they probably could have tried to re-sign because they had reworked some of that salary cap to try, I mean, to try to get themselves out of the salary cap hell that they've been in over the last several years. Uh, they decided to let those guys go. They still think they have plenty of talent on, on the books. I, you know, they did some shifting around to get back into some, some places. And so they had a few more picks. They walked away with one or two less guys, but they feel like, that all the guys that they got really helped that team. To me, the the big shift was just that regardless of what other players or whatever positions might have been good or whatever uh, players you might have really liked, the Saints made sure to get good value but people that fit their needs with their first few picks in this draft, and I think they did some things to make their team better. Do I think that they, you know, had one of the most impressive drafts out of anybody in the draft? No. But I think that at the end of the day, if you can fill needs and make your team better, then I think it's a successful draft. And uh, I think the Saints did what they had to do this week. TP, you're on mute again. I said, okay, I, I sure was running my mouth on mute. 
I, th- I think we're going to halt it there because uh, I think we're going to get more feedback throughout the crew throughout the week also. I did want to jump into the Giants and Jets, but I did uh, also want to get your picks for the day, at least for the second round of the NBA kicking off with two games today. Uh, first and foremost at 1 o'clock, that's why I am on the run. We have the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks coming to the New England region of the United States to play the Boston Celtics. And to round that out, right behind that are the Golden State Warriors, who look like one of the prime favorites out west, going up against a interesting Memphis Grizzlies team at 3:30. Your picks for both of those games, Mike. Uh, so I'm going to say that Boston holds serve at home today. I, I I need to see enough to make really be able to uh, make a call in the whole series. But I'm going to say that Boston holds serve at home today. And I'm going to say that uh, somehow, someway, Golden State uh, wins at Memphis today. Um, like I said, don't hold me on uh, predictions for the series yet, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Celtics and the Warriors to get victories today, though. Not yet. I'll put your feet to the fire when we get around the NBA Finals, or at least Eastern Conference Finals. I'll at least do that. I'll, I'll spare you for now. I'll spare you. Don't worry. Don't worry. You won't feel the heat just yet. I do all of that French stuff, too. So so how about this? We'll, we'll start to get the clothes all going right here in the brunch, man. Excellent stuff. And definitely with a, at least a good portion of the first round or the, the first realm of picks or first realm of teams. I'm sorry I'm all over the place, Sports City. Honest, I, I'm apologizing for myself. I do not mean to be sloppy today. But definitely this was interesting enough to go back and forth with, bro. Uh, Mike, give me a plug, closeout, shout-out. As we shut this thing down here at the brunch. Okay, man, I got a couple things real quick. I do think that both New York teams really helped themselves a lot. The Giants were able to get uh, two of the really top five players on some people's boards with their first couple picks. I thought the Jets did a lot of things to address some needs that they had to try to make that football team better. And trust me, they they got a lot of improvement to do, so I thought they were able to do that. Listen, uh, shout-out to Vivian Stringer, longtime uh, basketball coach for the University of Rutgers. Uh, Very long, distinguished career. Give her her flowers on her way out in her retirement. So much love and respect to Vivian Stringer and everything that she brought to the game of basketball. Shakur Stevenson, Showed up last night, showed out uh, a, a pretty game effort from Oscar Valdez, but showed out. And then uh, Katie Taylor, what a women's fight we had last night, too. So uh, some cool things on the uh, on the boxing side as well. Uh, but listen, man, we just uh, eclipsed one year uh, in the barbershop over this last week. We were up over 10.5K or so and continuing to grow. So come be part of our uh, Community on Clubhouse, the barbershop community. We talk sports. We have comfortable and uncomfortable conversations. We talk about life and we chop it up. So, even if you're just going from one spot to another, sharing a part of your workday with us, or you want to come sit and stay for a while, and uh, and Terry with us for a little while in the shop, then uh, come on by anytime you uh, you got time, want to spend time with us. Sports City Chefs, check out the website, check out the blogs. Check out all the merchandise that we got going on here, man. Much love to you, Timeless, man. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. Respect all the other chefs, man. And we got a baseball show on Tuesday. We got the cafe on Wednesday. And lots of things coming up. And always on Sunday mornings, the mothership, brother, Timeless Brunch. It's always a pleasure to co-host with you, my friend. It's a pleasure and a privilege. And laissez les bons en roulé. Until next time, my brother. Yeah, I get my I get my Crayola on too. So see, don't play with me. Don't play with me. And and, and, for, and for my picks too, I'm I'm going I'm going Boston. I'm going Memphis. Um, everybody else is screaming. Golden State comes in there. I think that Ja is ready for the battle with him and Steph. This is superstar versus superstar. I love it. I am getting my popcorn ready right now. Uh, Sports City, this this has been electric. There's more sports to go. I feel like I need more time to talk about more things. I definitely wanted to go through more teams, but I'm I got something going on as well out here. But on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports City, Sports City, chefs, chefs, Sports City, Sports City chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June.
Superman verse, and it's still on the clouds loom To tell a friend it's the sports and chefs again Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, 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 Chef,